49er fans. Welcome to the Talking Touchdowns podcast. This is 49ers fangirl Tracy, joined as always by SoCali Steph. Hey, Steph. Hey, Tracy. How are you today? I am okay. How are you? I'm a little bummed out. I'm, I'm not really looking forward to the rest of this season, but I'm doing all right. I'm yes. We're all, we're all a little bummed. On the plus side, we do have a really awesome guest today. Uh, we have CSN Bay Area's Mindy Box. So thank you for joining us, Mindy. Welcome. Oh, thank you for having me. Absolutely, absolutely. We are very excited to have you on. Um, and I think we will dive right into the news of the day, which is, of course, that Navarro Bowman is out for the season with an Achilles injury. I, I no joke feel like I could start crying. Um, it is such a devastating loss, not only on the field, but just his leadership on a team that so desperately needs it. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's just especially for the players, too, that have been around and saw how hard he worked to get back from the ACL-MCL injury he had when, you know, there were some that thought he would never be able to play football again. So for him to work all the way back from that, and even though he played last year, you know, even he said he wasn't at his full strength himself and explosiveness, and then he saw, had that this year, and then it come down with a torn Achilles. Uh, yeah, it's, it's been really hard. It's been really hard on the players, but they say, you know, it's part of the deal. They saw how they lost Ray Ray Armstrong, and they just said that's, that's why you, everyone has to be prepared. You hate to see your best players go down, but um, unfortunately, they've become, it's become commonplace. And I think a lot of people, Steph, a lot of fans have felt like you do that, well, now I'm just really not looking forward to the rest of the season. Um, so uh, talk a little bit about that. Yeah, I mean, it was a big, it was, it was big trauma because you really saw the defense hold up their end until, you know, that shift. It was like there was a whole shift there and Bowman was a key part in that. So it was sad to see, you know, the, their their the defense hold up pretty well to just completely get obliterated in the second half. I mean, it it really went to show, you know, I think from a team and a morale perspective, you know what he offers up, and I think that that he's a he's one of the things that this 49ers roster seems to need is consistency and leadership, and he's a big part of that. That's sad in a lot of ways, and I don't know where that comes from with him out. Um, so that's, I think, going to be hard. It means people are going to have to step it up quite a bit because, you know, it's a, hu- it's a huge loss for this team in terms of leadership. But then focusing on the football part of it, yes, they completely fell apart yesterday. And I, I think that started with, um, and Mindy, I'd love to hear your thoughts on this, but I think that really started with the penalty on Joukowsky Tart, um, which many of us didn't really think was a penalty. But whether it was or was not, a good football team has to be able to overcome a second quarter penalty. Even if it changes the momentum, you have to be able to get through that. And this team obviously did not. And then Bowman went down and then, and then it was just over. But Mindy, I'd love to hear your thoughts on that. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that, that was so early in the game and it led to the first touchdown for the Cowboys, which made it 14 to seven. But after that, I mean, you had a whole half time to make an adjustment. You had two and a half more quarters to play. And it was just really interesting how Ezekiel Elliott and it seemed like the uh, Dak Prescott found their rhythm and they started to get going. 
and that the 49ers just couldn't really get to a rookie quarterback with through an offensive line that had two backups playing in that game. Um, you know, obviously they didn't even get Jason Witten involved until later in the second half, and uh, that was kind of interesting as well that the 49ers defense couldn't take advantage of all that as well. And you're right, the phantom calls are going to be made. They have them in every game. But this one was made early enough uh, that the 49ers had more than t- time to recover. Steph, you were watching at home. What did you see? You probably saw a lot more replays than we did. Yeah, I saw a few replays, and that was one of, you know, the, it was a disappointing call, but, you know, I'm never one to, like, blame one call because you can't really leave a football game in the hands of, you know, the referees. They're going to make mistakes, and there's just not something that, you know, you, I'm just I'm just not that kind of fan to blame, you know, some, you know, there was a lot of, there was a lot of opportunities there, and they just continued to just not take advantage of any of it and so there was only so much you know you you could uh, say at that point and you know and and cowboys continued to just basically move forward and they had their the one sack you know and after that i think they just continued to just keep doing it and what was really interesting is the cowboys gave up 14 points in the first like 16 minutes or something but then after that, they only gave three points in the remaining 40-some-odd minutes. So the offense just let it go, you know, in as much as the defense did too. Well, and I'm noticing, and this is not necessarily a knock on Chip because a lot of fans yesterday were like, they need to fire Chip. And I'm like, it's been four games. He does not have a particularly talented roster. Like, you got to give him some time. But I'm noticing that other teams against us, minus the Rams, are able to make – really good second half adjustments and the 49ers don't seem to make any adjustments and I, I think it's hurting them Mindy what do you think yeah I'd ask Chip about that because when you saw the first half that they were seven for seven on third down conversions and that was such a problem for them in Seattle and the biggest problem was when they tried to pass on the third down they were always throwing short of the marker the you know, first down marker and you saw them come out and really do that so well and effectively against Dallas. And then in the second half, I think they converted one of seven three for one of seven of their third down situations. And I asked them, I said, when you look at this, is it lack of is it technique lapsing? Is it lack of a focus? Uh, just and he's like, well, no, but we just had a penalty here, a penalty there. Not lack of a focus, but we had all start, we had this. And his answers were telling me, well, they were mental errors. They you know, that, that were coming up in his answer when he told me it wasn't a lack of focus. So, you know, we'll never know because I'm not looking at the technique on the film. And I'm sure he has answers and he's very good about protecting his players. But you're absolutely right. They come out and Garrett Selleck said it the best. He's like, we showed in the first quarter what we're capable of as an offense but we can't keep hurting ourselves, and that's what we did. So the opponent for the 49ers in that game was a foul. Yes, I would agree with that. Um, and I felt that way a little bit in Seattle. I'm not saying Seattle didn't play really well because they did, and they played better and better as the game went on. But in the beginning, I felt like a lot of it was a lack of it, the word you use, focus, um, for the 49ers, which allowed Seattle to just run all over them. Um, but that was two weeks ago. I should probably let that one go because there's, (laughs) 
because there's because there's twelve awesome weeks ahead of us. Uh, so onward and upward. So let's talk a little bit about Thursday. Uh, the Cardinals come to town, a team that is also one in three and struggling but not a team that should be overlooked because this the Cardinals are a team that if everything's working, they're they're quite talented. Uh, but they come to town Thursday night. It's a short week for both teams. Both teams dealing with injuries. Obviously, the loss of Bowman doesn't look like DeForest Buckner is going to play. I saw him in the locker room yesterday with a boot and crutches on, which mm-hmm. leads me to believe that four days later, he's probably not going to play. Mindy, did you get any update on that today? He didn't. He didn't have crutches today, but he still had the boot. So he's walking without crutches, which is an improvement. But we were still awaiting results from the 49ers on his MRI, which they hadn't shared as of, as of the time we're talking. So okay, so we will see on that. Um, but let's, you know, I would, assume he's, I would assume he's out though on a short week. I really would. <laughs> I would. I would assume he's out on a short week as well. Um, so there's that. Uh, Carson Palmer potentially will not play. He's in concussion protocol. So it is. An interesting game for both teams. Both teams essentially desperate to win it. But, oof, I don't know. Um, I'm, co- I'm concerned. Uh, I think... This is hard because you don't know which 49ers team is going to show up. Is it going to be the offense that put up 28 quick points on the Rams in that Monday night game? Exactly. Is it going to be the offense, you know, that put up 14 quick points in the first quarter? Uh, you know, just on Sunday against Dallas. And, and they do that, and you know, they look great. Blaine Gabbert looks awesome, 109 passing yards in the first quarter. And then in the second quarter, he had three. So it's just sort of like which team is going to show up, the one that's on a roll or the one that just isn't, isn't even on the same page. Like where Carlos Hyde comes up on the first play of the game, it still drives me crazy, forgets what play they're in. You know, what the formation is, what the play call is on the first play of the game. So you just don't know which team is going to show up for the 49ers. I think that is what's frustrating because you see the potential. It just isn't there regularly. It's just you'd like to see it last for a whole game. And we, other than really the Rams game, we haven't seen that. And part of that, I think, is because the Rams are so horrible that first game. Boy, and they sure have turned things around, haven't they? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. And that's what you want to see from a team. You can, you know, losses are going to happen. It's so hard to go undefeated. But you want to just see gradual improvement. You want to see things get better or more consistency. You can have a bad drive here and there. But, you know, you just they just need to keep building. And I don't feel like the, the 49ers are building. I feel like they kind of build and then they drop back. And then they build and they just have a good quarter and you think oh they could be building again and then it all falls apart they just haven't put you know consistent like you said consistency together you just you know it seems like they they really are a team on momentum they either have it or they don't and, and that's been really hard to watch Steph what are you looking for on Thursday well you know even Jimmy Ward's hurt and you know and Eric Armstead has been said to be hurt a little bit too um it's really hard, you know, to kind of think he said that Armstead's non, really non-existence in the games <laughs> is really tied to, like, rust and not his injury, and he, that he just missed so much football. And, um, you know, I don't know. It's hard to see what, you know, like Mindy said, that there, he protects the players. But it's really, you know, it's really hard to see that 
they're just not really involved. Like we'd like to see them at this juncture in the season. And so we'll see what happens, but you know, I'm not, I'm not too terribly hopeful. Um, I, you know, I kind of see the way the 49ers play as they, they play pretty well the first half. And then at that juncture, the other team, you know, basically nails down exactly what they're doing and they can read them a mile away and then they come back and just slaughter them. And it's a consistent, it's a consistent, you know, this keeps happening, you know, it's a pattern at this point. So even if, you know, he could, Gabbert comes out next week super well, I'm not sure he's going to be able to handle it for the rest of the game. So I've heard a few little things about the players wanting cap in. I'm curious to see what Mindy thinks of that. Yeah, I have not heard that yet. I know that players really do like Blaine. They see the work that he's put in this whole off season. He kind of just has that personality that he reaches out to guys. How are they? What are they doing? Um, I think they really respect Gabbert as, as a quarterback, doing everything that you're supposed to do as a quarterback. Not saying that Kaepernick hasn't. He just hasn't been able to because of his injuries and his rehab. And I haven't heard that there is a whole huge contingent of players. I mean, like any presidential election, you're going to have people who want one candidate and one who prefer the other. I think in the locker room, there probably is, is that same dynamic. There are going to be some players who have more of a rapport with Kaepernick, maybe others who have more of a rapport with Blaine. Um, but they're going to go with a guy, whoever the coach picks. And Chip Kelly was very protective of Blaine today, talking about his great throws to Garrett Selleck and how he threw it right in there with Sean Lee all over him. He couldn't ask for a better throw, but then, of course, he missed the deep ball that led to the interception. So, but then he was saying he wasn't getting protection on the side uh, and they weren't really feeling off the rush, which is kind of crazy because when you think about it, Trent Brown had his worst game of the season of the four games. Trent Brown graded as the worst offensive player for the 49ers in that game, which he surprised even me, but he is the one who gave up the sack. And those are things that the coaches see. But I haven't heard much from the players yet that they, they're clamoring for Kaepernick. Because remember, last year Kaepernick struggled. And this was before the injuries. This is, you know, he, he was benched for Blaine Gabbert because he struggled. Um, so I don't really think there's a whole lot of talk either way. They just The whole offense needs to get going. And yeah. I, think, I think Blaine Gabbert, we did see, like you said, Mindy, in the first quarter we saw, I was like, who is this guy. I actually think I tweeted, Chip, can we keep him? Like, he was just <laughs> so good. And and I was like, you know what? Good for you, Blaine. You have put in the work. You've learned. And then, of course, it all went terribly wrong. And I think the thing with Gabbert is that he... I think Gabbert is a good guy. I think Gabbert is a really, really hard worker. And I think Gabbert is doing the absolute best that he can do. And it's just mm-hmm. not great. It's just he may be pushed as far as he can be pushed. But I think the other side of this, and this is very hard for me to say, anybody who listens to this knows I'm a big Cap fan, we don't know that Cap is going to be better. I think a lot of fans feel like, but it's worth trying. But there's also a side of it that if they put him in and he's not good and he struggles, it's done. (laughs) So there isn't a reason to rush it. I, I understand more. I think... You know, after week two, I was probably more like, just put in Kaepernick. It can't hurt. But I, I get it more. You know, I think you know, you don't want to rush it. And it, I think we can probably all agree that this is not a team that's going far this season. So I guess mine as well really wait and maybe just see how far. Maybe next week or maybe Thursday, Blaine has two really good quarters. Yeah, 
And maybe the next week well, it's three. Here's a question for you, too. Why do you think Jeremy Curley came in and he and Gabbert have done so well together? Because Jeremy Curley is a playmaker. He just has that ability and that aggressiveness mm-hmm. that, for whatever reason, just translate kind of like a Julian Edelman does. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, just those players that you look out there, and they're not the big names. They're not the Julio Jones. You know, they're not the Michael Crabtree's. Boy, is he having a resurgence over in Oakland, and you have to wonder, well, what's going on over there? Mm-hmm. <laughs> they're using him in great situations, and he has a quarterback who can do everything. Um, and so then you have Jeremy Curley come in, and he's just kind of one of those guys who wants it, who gets it, who brings the spark, brings the energy. He's one of those players that you call a playmaker. And Carlos Hyde has it every once in a while. Haven't seen it consistently. You know, Garrett Selleck got involved. He had it for a little bit. But other than that, really, who do they have? They they haven't gotten that out of Tory on the deep ball. They haven't gotten out of Quinn Patton. They haven't gotten out of any of the other receivers. So that, to me, is even more telling. You know, the 49ers office just doesn't have those playmakers who spark an offense and can set the rhythm even for the quarterback. You know, I mean, that to me kind of, that, that would help Blaine as well. He's trying to set that tone and get those guys going. But if he's not that, you know, just star elite quarterback like they have in Andrew Luck or Derek Carr or Aaron Rodgers or, you know, Tom Brady, Sometimes you need playmakers to get that going. Yeah, I mean, that's a fair point because, you know, so much heat gets put on Blaine Gabbert, and he really doesn't have too much to work with, you know, and the run game has to be strong. The offensive line has to, you know, make sure that run block and pass block and do their job. So it is a team sport, and we, we're big on that, you know, and, uh, you know, that's that's a fair point because here, we, you know, it's really easy to criticize him. Um, for, you know, the interception, that was awful. But, you know, for the most part, he did okay. And you know what? He does do okay. And I think that's – and I'm not – I don't even say that as a criticism. He does do okay, and I think that's a good point. And I think, Mindy, you make a good point. He just doesn't have much to work with and much going on around him. Now, a a potential positive for Thursday is the Cardinals' um, run defense is ranked 20th in the league. So – is a possible opportunity for Carlos Hyde to kind of get going. It, Blaine has shown he can run, could be a good opportunity for him, and that could help spark the offense. Um, so that is one potential good thing that could happen on Thursday. Yeah. There's, so there's <laughs> one, guys. <laughs> yeah, but the thing is, if you're one-dimensional and that's all you have, and if they take that away and they can't get that passing game going, like they were able to use Jeremy Curley. Yeah, against Dallas, all those crossing routes and, and the middle of the field routes, that's where he excelled. And you, you saw every catch he made was coming across the middle, you know, or in cut. And if they could find something like that to also take pressure off the run game, mm-hmm. because Clay Campbell and all those guys, you know, they, they're veterans. They, they've been around. They know how to load the box. They, they've been up against Frank Gore. They've been yeah. up against some really good, you know, 49er running games in the past. And, and, and they've, Statistically, obviously, in Buffalo, they were horrible. But um, I, I just think with the 49ers, you can't take anything for granted. They thought they were going to catch a break in Seattle with Russell Wilson with the Gimpy uh, ankle, and then um, Thomas Rawls was out. Look how that went for them. So Badly. <laughs> the Cardinals are going to really worry about that too much. They're going to try and stop the run. And as speaking of, I know I was going to let the Seattle game go, but since you brought it up, I do have one thing to say on that. I feel that, um, you know, it really felt like they did think they were going to catch a break and that they didn't properly prepare. 
And I would hope going into this game, I mean, I'm sure that's not true. And obviously I'm not a coach and I'm not there every day, et cetera. But it, it looked like that. Um, and I, I, my concern for this game, the other side of that is I feel like the Cardinals are also very much a sleeping giant. And um, I'm really hoping the 49ers don't wake them up the way that they did you know, with Seattle. Because I think it, it could be easy to say, well, they have a short week. And if Drew Stanton does start, but, you know, they still have a lot of weapons on that team. Yeah, they do. Absolutely. Not only Larry Fitzgerald, but John Brown is a really quick, fast receiver. So I think that's just the big thing for the 49ers is just who brings the stump, who brings that energy that doesn't have to be explained, doesn't have to be talked about. It just is. And the 49ers have that. It's just one of those intangibles you can't explain. It's just there or it's not. Um, we talk about the loss of Navarro Bowman, and for me, the biggest thing is watching practices every day. When Navarro was back last year, he missed Wednesday's practices, and that was because of his knee. It was a veteran rest. I get it. I understand all that. But when he and Patrick Willis were there together, Patrick led every single linebacking drill, and Navarro was always second. It was 52-53, 52-53, and then everybody was behind them. And Patrick, his feet were so fast, and the Navarro's feet were so fast, and all the linebackers' feet. But in their drills, you saw that speed. They just were so quick and efficient. Well, when Navarro was out last year, all of a sudden I noticed, I'm like, the feet are a lot slower. Hmm. It just, they were going through the drills, but there wasn't that just push, like, we got to keep pace with this guy. And it's not like you talk about it, you just do it. You know, like there is Navarro or Patrick going through those drills, and as soon as they're out, if that pace isn't there, if that, you know, just work ethic, that's how you do a drill isn't there, it, it permeates. And I think that's what the 49ers are missing on both sides of the ball. Who is that Frank Poole or that Justin Smith or that Patrick Willis, you know, or the Navarro Bowman that gets the rest of the players throughout the week better just by who they are? That is what they're missing. You have Rashard Robinson coming in and start a rookie, and he has the best overall grade against Dallas of anyone on the 49ers defense. A rookie making his first start against Dallas. Why is that? Why is it the rookie bringing that energy? Um, you know, he has great skill as well, but you would think it would be a veteran player. You know, um, I mean, hats off to Rashard. That'd be great. But that's the energy and the intangible that you want to see that the 49ers are just missing in so many places. They have talented players, but it's that extra, that extra step. Make sense? Oh, that makes a ton of sense. And there was, there used to be so much of that on the team. You're right. There was so much of it. And I just think it's gone. I think unfortunately that player right now doesn't exist on the 49ers and that player may never exist on this this roster. Cause I think those kind of players are few and far between um, and I, I kind of, this is going to sound, what I'm about to say is so cheesy, so just bear with me. But I do think that type of player is born, not made. And I, I just don't know that that player exists on this roster. I think it's, I, no, I mean, not. yeah, I mean, I think that it's just, you know, part of that's heart. And it's, you, no matter how you put a team together, it's not, you know, there has to be a kiss cohesive unit and yeah you need those players that are really going to push the younger kids to make them better and any kind of team sport you know it's just it's amazing and what she said made a lot of sense to me because it's not something I've seen it's just there's no real reason to it it's just something that is just non-existent doesn't necessarily mean they'll not get it again but right now 
it, the way we see it, it's just it's not something that the 49ers have. And it's a shame because they had it not too long ago. And they had it in quite a few places. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I saw yesterday Carlos Hyde was doing the pregame huddle and firing up the team. And I just was thinking, wow, what a difference a few years make. And that's not a knock on Carlos. It's just, you know, used to see Patrick Willis do it. It's just different. It's a different group, and it, it looked different. Yeah. Well, a couple of years ago, if you said who was the face of the 49ers, there were five or six players. You, you couldn't choose one. And now you like, it's the same problem, but for a different reason. Who's the face <laughs> of the 49ers? You can't choose one. Yeah. <laughs> there's, there's nobody out there who really tells you who are the 49ers. Like, if I say Seattle Seahawks, who are the faces of the Seattle Seahawks? You could name me four players right now. Mm-hmm. So, you know. And the same with Arizona, the same with Denver, the same with, you know, every team, you know, Indianapolis, or the 49ers. Who, who are the faces of the 49ers? I, I don't think people could name four players. They definitely couldn't. And I even, I've had friends for fantasy would say, who should I take on the 49ers? <laughs> and I've said, no one. I can't, don't, don't take anyone. And I don't, you know, like, absolutely not. Don't take a single soul on that team. Um, and they'll, and even people say, what about Carlos Hyde? I'm like, okay, if you want, but don't blame me. Um, so it just, it's not the same. And that's part of being in a a rebuilding and that's, it's too bad. But I think that one, we, I think if you had to pick a face, the 49ers, it would have been Bowman. And now, um, it's not. And so that's, that's just going to be really hard. And I think you hit it on the nose, Mindy. It's the intangible. I think the best thing you can help for this team is just with consistency, with, um, you know, just improvement. They just need to be with this coaching staff longer and just see improvement. You know, it's just the schedule doesn't get any easier. It's, they have the toughest strength of schedule in the NFL. You know, um, they have New Orleans coming into town. That's going to be a huge test for this defense. They have New England coming into town. You know, it's just, it, it's, and then they ha- then they go to Atlanta and just look what <laughs> Matt Ryan and Julio Jones just did over the weekend. So I think all you can see is just you know sit back, take a deep breath, and say let's just see some improvement. That's all we'd like to see, just some consistent improvement week by week. I think that's the best you can help out of this team. And if some playmakers and some momentum come out of that, all the better. And I think it, it you know you mentioned Jeremy Curley as a playmaker. You mentioned Richard Robinson. I think those are two players that could potentially be fun to watch over the next several weeks um, that could bring some bright spots to the fans, at least for the future. Um, so there's there's that. There's one to watch on each side of the ball. Um, but it's it just shows kind of how far they've fallen when Jeremy Curley is potentially your most exciting person on offense. And again, that's... <laughs> not- <laughs> And he is only going to get better, but unfortunately yes. he got injured. Right. So I think, you know, he has that potential to be that regular player on the end. Trent Brown, you know, he just had a horrible game, but, you know, he has that potential to be a very good lineman because, uh, you know, even against Seattle, he was swallowing Michael Bennett. It's just because he's so big. I don't know why all of a sudden he has such a bad game against Dallas, but they're going to happen. But if he can stop that and just be consistent and not have such a drop-off from week to week, you know, he could be, you know, I don't know how much fun it is to watch a right tackle, but if you ever see him go against the defensive end, it is just incredible to see how he can just hold off players just because of his size. So, but you're right, other than that, um, it's just, 
I think we just have to set expectations low, and then if they're higher than that, everyone should be happy. <laughs> I think that's really a good way to look at it. Um, there's, I, it's sad. It's sad. Sad. It's kind of sad state of affairs. Sorry, Steph. <laughs> but that's what happens when it's you're rebuilding. Kind of reality at this point. It's reality. This team is in rebuild like nobody's business. If you look up rebuild in the dictionary, there's a photo of the 49ers. Um, so I think that that's consistency, improvement. Hopefully in a year or two years, this team looks very different. I am not of the mindset that they should tank the season for the first round draft pick. Um, That's just not the way that I think. And I I think they'd be better off to get consistently better and still have a high draft pick to continue making it. Yeah, you never want to do that. Yeah. Yeah. Because that's contagious. That's just, that's not good. No, it's terrible. guys want to put their stuff out there. Because if they're not with a team, they need to play their best. But somebody else picks them up. I mean, that's their pride and their their profession, you know, if they're in a sport, they still need to give it. And they know that. They, the players will never tank. They the players will never tank. It's the it, That's a fan mentality. That would never be. You would hope Absolutely. that would never be a player mentality. Never. That would be. Uh, no, because it shows up on film. It shows up, and then their, their career is definitely changed. <laughs> yeah. No, that's definitely so. a, a fan mentality. But it is amazing how many people think that way. But that's the beauty of being a fan. There's no consequences to your thoughts. You get to just <laughs> make what I say whatever you want and make these predictions and ideas, and it doesn't really matter because then doesn't it just doesn't really matter. Um, well, okay then, ladies. This has been great. I mean, somewhat, you know, it's a little depressing, but that's the 49ers for you. But <laughs> <laughs> I think we found... A way to laugh. And Mindy, you brought up some really awesome points that I think um, our listeners are really going to enjoy. So thank you. It was really awesome to oh, have you. Thanks for having me. Yeah, it's just uh, everyone asks me what to expect. I'm like, this is one of those seasons you really can't predict anything. It's, they are. There's just You have to take it week by week and, and just see if they can grow on anything and kind of build those, what's the word I'm looking for, just kind of the, the things that you see repeatedly that a good team does. You know, you know that certain teams are always going to do, that the good teams that always go to the playoffs are going to do one thing really well or a couple things really well. 49ers haven't developed their areas of strength. I think if we could come up with one or two areas of strength, that would be great, you know, just to see them develop that consistently. I agree. So let's hope for that, guys. I actually think that is a good thing to hope for, and that that's something to look for um, that could be somewhat tangible for the season, what develops as the area of strength. So we'll see. Um, and we'll see what happens on Thursday. They may, you know, depending on which team shows up, they may surprise us. So, Well, at least we know, Tracy, for Thursday, there's going to be a lot of red in the stands. That yes. we know. So there you go. Yes, at least we know there will be a lot of red. There were a lot of Cowboys there, Cowboy fans there, which I will say, in fairness to the 49ers, I think may have had less to do with the 49ers and more to do with the fact that people just love the Cowboys. Um, which is uh, something I've never understood, but yeah, they do. But whatever I laugh because whenever I go on the road and go to Arizona and the 49ers play the Cardinals at Phoenix Stadium, there it's, it's funny because there's just so much red because of both teams. It just looks like it's it's just all one team. So at least we know there's going to be a lot of red, you know, for for the 49ers. I don't know who they'll be rooting for, but they'll be. Well, if they're in a lot of red and they're loud, potentially for the players, it doesn't matter. Maybe that will be beneficial. 
and give them a little bit of a boost. Exactly. They're loud. They're in red. It's probably for us. Let's go with it. Um, yeah. <laughs> fingers crossed. <laughs> um, all right, everybody. Well, thank you for listening. Mindy, thank you so much for joining us. Yeah, of course. Thank you for having me, Tracy and Steph. Absolutely. Steph, fingers crossed. We're off next week, everybody, but we will be back in two weeks. Um, And Steph, let's end it how we always do. Go Niners! Go Niners! (laughs) Bye, everybody. Bye.